Resurrection Sunday. Um, in the week, I was sitting on the train into London, and I thought, I'd like to, obviously, after I've had my quiet time, I was just thinking, I just want to see what is on the web, actually, what do the web say about Easter? If you go to Wikipedia, what does Wikipedia say about Easter? So I sat there with my Blackberry reading through Wikipedia, what they say about it, and to be honest, they don't really say much about the gist of it, the real meaning of it. it it's basically, I would say two-thirds is about the customs of Easter around the world. Um, why people paint eggs, why they throw eggs, why in Bulgaria they gave women, give women a, a whipping or a lashing with a two-meter whip on, a, on Easter Sunday. It's crazy. If you start reading it, it becomes very uh, scary to what point, what people connect with Easter. Um, when, I, when I looked on Twitter this morning, a lot, of, a lot of people that I know very well, all they were saying is, enjoy eating chocolate today. My kids are really going to enjoy eating Easter egg today, etc., etc. Anyway, in the world, it's lost its meaning completely. And um, it's a, if you go back in the history as well, you'll see that Easter has actually been a massive point of contention throughout the ages. The date of Easter, it's a movable feast. And coincidentally, the feast has moved according to the position of the moon. In the Northern Hemisphere, um, it's celebrated um, on the first Sunday after the um, Northern Hemisphere vernal equinox. First full moon after the northern hemisphere vernal equinox. But there's different calendars. You've got the Julian calendar and you've got a, got a Georgian calendar and there's different dates for that. Anyway, so the guys, if there's been fights about this in the church, church splits about when this happened. But I think a central question I want to ask today is what have you, what in your life has shown anything? that can show to people around you that this day is more about more than just about eggs and chocolate and having a, two bank holidays. What power has your life demonstrated in making people consider that there's maybe something else to celebrate today? I was very unfortunate as a child and now very fortunate as an adult that my father disregarded birthdays um, um, almost completely. If I needed a bicycle, he would give me a bicycle a month or a couple of weeks before my birthday. And for my birthday, well, that would probably just have been a, quite a non-event. If he thought I should learn to play chess, he would give me a paper chess board with some plastic pieces and say that will do the job. As an adult, it's obviously helped me, and as a Christian, to understand that God will give you what you need <laughs> when you need it. <laughs> and not necessarily on the... And that life is not about calendars, following a calendar. The other thing that goes with that principle is obviously that my father never, he, he actually refused for us to make anything of Father's Day or Mothering Sunday or whatever. Because he said every day should be a Father's Day. Every day should be a Mother's Day. And he said to me, and every day I'm happy that you were born. And I think in many ways, when I was born again, a key scripture was Galatians 5 verse 1. 
For freedom, Christ has set me free. For freedom, Christ has set you free. We do not live according to a religious calendar anymore. We've been freed even from religious events and religious calendars. But it's great to remember a special and an unbelievable day today. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is there to lead us into whatever. You know, if the Holy Spirit led me this morning to preach about orphans and widows, then why shouldn't religious calendar or where the moon was last week determine what I should preach today? Because I celebrate every day. Every day, I, when I open up my eyes, I say, thank you, Father God, that I am saved, that I'm born again, that I'm free. I've been freed from my sins, but I've been freed from bondage, and I want to walk in it more and more. Obviously, we're not freed from everything immediately. And in me preaching here today as a lay man, I think it is something that all of us, in all, everything that we do, I believe God, God is... When you got born again, when you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord into your life, He said, this is available for you. This is available for you. And I'm just going to paraphrase from 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 to 6. We have trust through Christ towards God. Although we are not sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being for ourselves or from ourselves, our, my God, your God, is sufficient. Our sufficiency is from Him. My sufficiency to preach to you today is from Him. Your sufficiency to preach, your, your sufficiency, and you'll see where this preach is going to lead to, your sufficiency to live a life that is so powerful that people will say, there's got to be more. I want to explore more of what is in your life. It's not something that you have to be afraid of. It's not something that you have to be hiding. It is something that He wants to entrust to you. He made us, and it says, you can go and read it, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 4 to 6. He made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. He made you sufficient to minister this. And I want to ask you today, before I pray, have you... Do you know why you are here today? Do you know what we, are, what we are celebrating on Resurrection Sunday? I had a pastor once, and he said he had a pastor that sometimes would blindly just say, Cheryl, can you please come up? I would like you to pray. I feel that you should preach today. I just want to ask you, I don't want you to feel under pressure, but if I ask you today, can you please come up, Mike, and just do... Give us your revelation of Resurrection Sunday today. What Are you ready? Are you ready to give it? I was at, at work on this week, and um, I'm probably one of two Christian guys in a complete Jewish office. Everybody's Jewish. But now I ask this guy, so what are you doing? No, they're doing this and that. So what does that mean? Uh, that means that, but I don't know really what the rest of this means, you know. And I actually started telling him, you know, the labor was for that and the, the bread is for that and the yeast, that is why you are clean. Jewish guys, 
each one want to be more Jewish than the other because it's commercially convenient. But they cannot tell me why, they have, why we've got this long weekend. But I want to encourage you. Christ has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant and the fullness of it. Not of the letter, it says, but of the Spirit. Because the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so we are not caught up in the religious activity today here. I am not here because Ant asked me. I'm not here because I'm an elder of the church. I'm not here because of anything else. I'm here because it's a privilege. It is amazing for me to go and sit again and just say, Lord, am I sharp? Is my sword really sharp to bring the word, the two-edged word that comes as a division between soul and spirit, bone and marrow? Am I ready like a warrior, like a soldier, like the word says? Am I trained like an athlete? To bring the word in its time, not just in the religious surrounding that we've got here, but also out there in the work. If somebody asks me, why do I, why do I celebrate Easter? I can confidently in five minutes or in 15 minutes or whatever time it gives me, I can get down to, I can cut it down into what it's about, the center of it. And I want to share something about that with you today. Please close. Let's just close our eyes. Father God, I am not sufficient. None of us are sufficient in ourselves. And we do not confess it, but we confess that we are sufficient because of Jesus Christ who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant. And we praise you for that today. I pray that every word that flows from my mouth will be life-giving. I pray that bondage Bondages will be broken today. Ears will be opened. Eyes will see. I pray for the spirit of revelation and of wisdom to be in this place for our understanding to increase in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. When, um, I'm going to ask you a question and then I'll have to pull you back after you start thinking about it so that you can listen to me. I think, there's two, I think there's two things that we need to know as lay preachers. There's two very important things that we need to know as lay preachers. The one is, why did Jesus come? Why did he have to come? But then, there's also actually another fundamental question that, why did he have to leave? And if you go and study those two things, you will see that a lot of truth... And a lot of the center, a lot of the core, what you've got to know about the new covenant is bound up in those two questions. Why did they have to come and why did they have to leave? And I think that is what's fundamental about what we want to address today. Now, Michael Eaton, when he was here, he said something and that stuck with me because I was, I've been meditating for a number of weeks on a certain scripture that I've been sharing with my home group. So my home group will be hearing something for the third time tonight, to today. And he said, Christ came that we may have life. He came that we may have life and it more abundantly. Now so many times people focus on the little scripture before that in John 10 verse 10. In John 10 verse 10 it says, The devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy but I came 
that you may have life and to have it more abundantly. Now, if I look at the church today, if I look at my brothers today, if I look at the wider community, I don't see a lot of people who have been killed by the devil that I know. Not that, not that many have been killed. Not many have been destroyed. So there's got to be some other things that are killed and destroyed and stolen. And I, and I think you can probably sum it as life. Life has been stolen and destroyed in many people that I see around me, especially in the church. Because if we as a church, and I include myself, and I include not this church, but the greater church, if we were more effective at living life, an abundant life, I'm sure the world would have been focusing on chocolate bunnies today. They would have been asking other questions. And I want to, and so today I want to explore that. I want you to maybe go to John 14. Nick, can you maybe put just John 14, verse 12 to 18? You don't have the, the Bible here. Your Bible here, you can maybe just read it at the top because I think it's important that we read the Word. It's important that we see it. Most, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Let's turn it around. Because I go to my Father... You will do greater works than I've done. How amazing is that? So I've answered, I've answered that question for you. I had to go, but there's obviously something a little bit more to that. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want to ask you today, for me, life, for, for me, life represents joy. For me, life represents peace. For me, life represents power. For me, life represents hope. For me, life represents overcoming. For me, life represents love. The reason why it represents that for me is because I've learned that from the Word. So the Word says that if we have life, if we have the life of Jesus Christ, if we live in that, we will manifest life. And in that life that we manifest, it will be full of love, full of joy, full of peace, full of power, full of hope. And I want to throw in, for good measure, revelation. But I want, I want to be very short today. So why do we not have it? And I just want to deal with a couple of things. It's not obviously like all legal contracts. This is not an exhaustive list. This is just some, uh, Renee. You should never pretend that it's everything. But I can, yes. I want to say to you today, one of the first things is we are not asking. We don't have life 
We don't have all these things in our life because we don't ask. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it from the pulpit before, but you know the story of the elephant, circus elephants, where they put a, a chain around an elephant's leg, small elephant like Dumbo, you know, the story of Dumbo, they put the chain around his mother's leg. You know, after two years, they take that chain off. That elephant never walks away. In its mind, it is captive. It will never walk away. For some people, life has put a ceiling on your head. Circumstances has put a ceiling on, on, your, on your expectations. And you are, you are settled. You are, you are just, you've given over to, you're not even, you've even got to the place that you even, even are fighting against that ceiling. You think it's concrete. It's permanent. And I pray to this morning, I pray that the revelation of Jesus Christ will break that ceiling for you and that you will see that you are in Christ you are free indeed to desire, to pray for and to ask for blue sky things in your relationship with Jesus. I'm just going to give you another example. Another example is they've done tests with sharks. They put sharks in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a swimming pool or whatever, in a pool. They put a perspex glass in the middle, and the sharks start swimming against this perspex. They've also done tests where they um, actually put an electric current in the middle of a swimming pool. Every time the shark goes into the electric current, it goes away. After a couple of days, they take it away. The shark will never swim past that boundary again. My friends, that is how the devil kill, steal, and destroy. There are the obstacles. There are obstacles in our ways, in, in our ways, in the different areas of our lives. And, and the problem is we get to it and we get stung, and we get stung, and we get stung. And in the end, in the flesh, we give up. Because we feel in the flesh it's impossible. But I want to say to you, that Christ says, ask. And I want to speak faith into some of you. I want to encourage some of you. You need to start asking for things again that you stopped asking for. You need to ask the Lord for faith to ask for things that you've stopped asking for. Because it was in your spirit. It was not of the flesh. Some of us are not asking the right question just because we think we are humble. I want to say to you, let's, let's read further and it will, give you, it will give you the answer. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He dwells with you, and He will be in you. I want to say to you, if, you are, if, you are, if we get into this, this path of really pursuing the Lord, I believe we shouldn't be so careful thinking that the things that we ask for in the flesh. I believe in, if you're in true relationship with the Lord. I've never seen anybody in a true relationship with the Lord standing in faith for Mercedes-Benz. 
I've never seen that that is very high up in, your, in his things that he asked for, material things. I've never seen it. And so some people never ask anything, and they are so, they are so humble. They are so pious that they just ask, don't ask for anything. But I want to say to you today, it is false humility. It's actually pride. And that I, I want to say, put it to you. If you are truly pursuing God, the things that you in your heart, do not doubt yourself. I've been reading books lately of people that really move in the power of God. And what they, what does one guy saying? Now I don't want to quote him for different reasons. But what he's saying is the religious spirit and the controlling spirit in the church has caused many people to think that they shouldn't think or dream too big. Because people think the, lack, the disappointment can break faith, because they think it can lead to materialism, because materialism is rife in the church. But I say to you, nonsense. You are free. In Christ, you are free indeed. Why did, why did Almighty God, why do all, all wise Jesus why didn't he say, you can ask for whatever you want in the name of Jesus Christ, but do not ask for material things. You can ask for anything. It says, whatever, whatsoever, whatever, anything. That is the words over and over in all the gospel. And then it says, but do not ask to be powerful. You can ask for anything, whatever, always in my name. But do not ask for peace. You can go on and on and on. But you think the thing that you can ask for is so limited. Could you just be better, a little bit better than yesterday? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. God, you will see now, I'm going to show you the scriptures. God wants you to be powerful, and you shouldn't be afraid of that. He says... Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, I will do all, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. So I want to ask you, just as a test, when last have you prayed for a miracle? When last have you prayed for healing? When last have you asked the Lord for a spiritual gift? When last have you gone to a, a home group and said, Lord, I want to prophesy. Lord, I want to speak hope. I want to speak the Spirit of Jesus Christ into this home group today. Lord, today I want to go to my work and I want to work a miracle in the work. Today, Lord, I want, the power of the, of, I want your power to flow through me at work so that people will say, what has he got? And I don't know, it's not because I'm full of pride and with religious pride in me. Or spiritual pride. I say this because I love those people because they need to see. Jesus didn't go in his three years walk ministering the word. He didn't go about and say, I'll just be a humble guy and people will notice it. And in the end, when somebody asks me, I will tell them. Because that is, is that the, would you say that is the example that we are basically taught in the Bible, in, in church today? That I would say is the norm in the church today. Let's just be really humble at work. Do you, do you think? And when somebody asks you, 
But if you never practice, you know what I asked you earlier? Then it's actually difficult to get up with the answer all of a sudden. Because you don't practice. Let me tell you, I didn't drink any alcohol for about seven years. And one of the things why I did it, I knew it was gonna, uh, people were going to ask a lot of questions. And the reason why I didn't drink any alcohol for seven years was because I made a covenant with the Lord about something. Made a seven-year covenant with the Lord. But I knew, every time somebody asked me, so why didn't you drink? I say to them, it's not because I had an alcohol problem, because I made a covenant with the Lord. And then I start explaining covenant to them. Then I start explaining my relationship with the Lord to them. And all of a sudden, something goes up in there, and they say, this, this is something else, that I've never heard this. He's, a, he's got a relationship. And it's like the first time I got here, they knew I, somebody knew I was religious, so they say, are you R.C.? I said, what is R.C.? I didn't know what R.C. was. I, I thought it was like, am I like, you know, am I, am I proud, or what, what is R.C.? But anyway, so later they told me, uh, Roman Catholic, but anyway... I think it actually came from Lent. They asked me what was Lent, and I didn't know what Lent was. And so I said, how can a Christian not know what Lent is if you're arsy? But anyway, I didn't know what Lent was or arsy. You can see that I'm very unreligious. Um, I want to throw in a big one. I think another reason why people don't have life is that they do not actually love God. I think there's a lot of Christians out there that don't really love God. And the reason why I say that is a definition is also given here. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. Now, I am not, I, I believe, number one, Jesus, Jesus had to go away to get the Holy Spirit. For us to get the Holy Spirit. And in my last verse that I'm going to, in my last scripture I'm going to use, I'm going to go into more detail about that. But He's given us the Holy Spirit. The dynamic that the Holy Spirit has brought is He's brought conviction. The Holy Spirit will convict sinners. Through us, there can be a fragrance of the Holy Spirit out there that convict people around them. The word says it's like death to them. The Holy Spirit is, is a fragrance of life to those who have life, and it's a fragrance of death to those who don't have life. But I want to say to you that no Christian can come to me having a life full of sin and says he loves the Lord because he's a liar. Unrepented sin in his life. All of us have got sin in our lives. But if we continue in unrepentant sinning, you cannot say that you love the Lord. And I want, don't want to go into too much detail about it, but number one, it's not for us to tell other people that because the Holy Spirit is there to convict people, so I'm not judging other people. And that is also not the way that I live my life. I actually pray that the Holy Spirit will hover over that person and convict them. Especially if it's a Christian, you get a lot, I, I mix with a lot of Christians that love to play the Christian, used to play, yeah, that love to play the Christian card for popularity, but you should see them on a Saturday night. And that kind of guy, I would go to and say, mate, you either have to now go public 
that say that you don't actually love the Lord because you're messing up here. You're messing up my testimony because I stand for this kingdom and you're trying to represent my kingdom and you're making a complete mockery out of it. Or you have to just say you're playing for the, for the other team. I can do it because he claims to be part of this. But I want to say to you, there's another dynamic to it. People cannot walk in power. They cannot walk in the Spirit. If they truly, if they live a life that they're not, that they're not trying, in the Holy Spirit, trying to live in the Spirit, to live lives holy unto the Lord, because you cannot have faith unto God. You cannot have that you do not have confidence to approach the Lord. And we all know that. We need to have confidence to approach the Lord. And we do not approach Him through our own goodness, but we approach them through the blood of Jesus, knowing that He can take away our sin. But if we have a true revelation of that He has taken away our sin, then I don't, I want, you don't take it lightly. You know He's died for that privilege to come freely into His presence through the blood of Jesus. Now, another reason why people don't have life is they don't have hope. And the reason why people don't have hope is because they have no revelation. They don't have, they don't have revelation of the love of God, and they don't have revelation of the power of God to save them out of their situation, to bring change to their situation. And so what I want to do I maybe just want to finish off with this before we, go, we turn to that scripture. I also believe people have no revelation of their inheritance in Christ. If you have a true revelation of the Word and the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus, just here, I just want to turn your attention to verse 18. John 14, verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. It says at the end of verse 17, but you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. We are not alone, and we are not orphans. You have got the living God in you, and you've got an inheritance in Him. Now, there's a, in my native, in my mother tongue, the word for a will is a testament. He's given us the New Testament. You don't know what your inheritance is. You do not know the... You don't, you will not know what He has for you if you don't know what is in the Testament, what is in the will. And you will give up hope. Why do you continue if there's nothing for you to hope for? Turn with me to Ephesians 1 verse 17. I don't want to... I want to turn it around now. Now it's going to go positive. <laughs> we have to finish off with the positive side of it. People, I want to say to you, I've been meditating on this Ephesians 1, verse 17 to 21 now for the last six weeks. I shared it with you one day here in church. Every single day I've been praying the scripture. I have been meditating on the scripture. And it is changing my life. Ephesians 1, verse 17. And how I want to put it to you, it is a prayer for you. It is a way that the Lord Paul is showing the Ephesian church here how to pray and what they should pray for so that we can have life. 
so that you can walk in power, so that you can have love and peace and overcoming, the spirit of overcoming in you. That is what this is all about. And listen here, this is so, this is so huge, this scripture. You're not going to grasp it today unless the Holy Spirit can... Uh, you know the scripture? I can see who knows the scripture and enjoy the scripture. So I'm not just going to read it. Um, let's read it from... I'm going to read it from there. But I do more than thank. I ask. I ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make me intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. Your, that my eyes focused and clear so that you can so that I can see exactly what it is what is my calling what, what you are calling me to do and to grasp the immensity of the glorious way of life you have for me oh the utter extravagance of your work in me who trust you endless energy boundless strength I'm just going to read it. That's the message version that I asked Nick to put on. I just want to give it to my, I've got the New King James Version. And this is my prayer. That the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. I just want to say, you can always, I also believe the Lord says we should pray collectively as well. We can also pray that us as a church or your home group or your family. But make it personal that we will have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation relates to Isaiah 11 that gives you the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. Because that is what we were given. When Jesus left, He gave us the Holy Spirit, our helper, to come and to strengthen us in everything that we need. He is the Spirit. If you go to, you don't have to go there. Make a note, Isaiah 11 verse 2. He is the Spirit of wisdom and revelation. He is the Spirit of counsel and of might. I prayed this before every rugby game. He is the Spirit of might. The Holy Spirit in me is the mighty warrior spirit that's going to make you stand up. It's going to stand up and destroy, in the name of Jesus Christ, whatever ceiling is in your life at the moment. He's the one that's going to say, so far and no more. Thus far and no more. The spirit of might. The spirit of understanding, of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Six things. Wisdom and revelation. Counsel and might, knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That is the that is six fundamental elements of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you through as a gift from the Lord when Jesus left. And so I say, I want to break down, I'm just quickly going to go through the scripture. The Spirit, if we pray that Lord, that the Lord will give us the wisdom, Spirit of wisdom and understanding, He will give us knowledge of Him. We have to know Him. If you know Him, you will know that He says, you know that His heart is, ask for anything, and I will give it to you. Nothing is too much. 
sometimes Judah come to me at 6 o'clock in the morning and he says, I want a chocolate. And I don't slap him, I just laugh. Sometimes the Lord is just going to laugh. But ask him. Work it through with him. Talk to him about it. Ask for chocolates. What is the problem if he laughs about it? He will bring you to revelation in the end that it's not good for you. He will enlighten the eyes of your understanding. Who needs more understanding in their jobs? Who needs more understanding of the word? Who needs understanding of their wives? Who needs understanding of their, of their husbands? Don't we all? So that we know the hope of a calling. Who wants to know the hope of your calling? I'm sure all want to know the hope of your calling. It says here, you can ask for it. Paul says, dear brothers, pray this way. I pray this for you. You pray this for yourself. Know what is the riches of the inheritance of the saints. So that you know what is your inheritance in Christ. Know the exceeding greatness of His power. That is all in that scripture. To know the exceeding greatness of the power, of His power. The power that He worked in Jesus Christ to be raised from the dead. Let's just see that. Verse 20. All of this. Okay, let's go from 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at, a right, at His right hand in the heavenly places. I think some people think that Jesus raised Himself from the dead. God the Father raised His Son from the dead. That same power, let me tell you now, it is something... I am blessed because I can tell you now, the Lord saved me from a terrible life. And I'm standing here as a testimony, and I'm standing here being very grateful. And having, I committed myself to know the Word and to be able to bring over the message in my limited way, in my second language, in a foreign country, And I don't know exactly why I'm here, but I'm not here because I like the weather. I'm here because I'm committed to I'm committed to what the Lord did in me when He raised me from the dead. Because I had a revelation. He's given He gave me a revelation through the Holy Spirit, and I'm sure He's done for you. He gave you a revelation, you are dead. You are going to hell but He's given you a vision in that moment and said, take my hand, however unworthy you feel, just take my hand, I've done it all for you. And for some, it's all just stopped there. It's all just stopped at being saved. But I say to you this morning, the Lord says there is more. The Lord sent me here today to say to you, there is more. I am not a preacher. I am not, I'm just a layman. I'm just a person like you. But I love the Lord. And I said, I want to know more. Enable me. He can enable you. I had absolutely no belief that I could ever scrum against people in rugby, that I could ever be anything but just a normal club player. 
But for some reason, the Lord chose me. And when he brought me to that place, he gave me a prophecy. And he said, that is what you're going to do. And I believed it. I believed it. And every time in the beginning, I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to die. But by the might, by your might, by the spirit of might in me, I will overcome. And I have. And it's taken me to the next level, and to the next level, and to the next level. And then I have to take, I have to take that into another discipline, and another, and to the next level, and to the next level. In a, and always trusting the Lord that I am not sufficient, but my sufficiency is from Him. And it is the same for you. It looks impossible. You are not sufficient. It is like going to hell. You are going to hell before you are saved, before you are born again. And just admit it. And then you say, but a way has been made. I accept that with all my heart. And now I'm, I'm, now I'm completely convinced that that is the way. And that is the way that I will always live. Being completely insufficient, but more than sufficient. I want to say to you, you know what we celebrate today? To close off. That the helper has been sent, that we can teach all things. The Holy Spirit can teach us all things. You can go to John 14 verse 26. One of the best things that happened ever in my life. And I, at, the, at that time I thought it was a terrible thing. But I got born again and immediately my rugby started going like that. And I had to go on overseas tours. And so I was alone. I was on a rugby tour. You know, it's, it's, it's not an easy place to be. Within a month after being born again, I started, started a Christian group. I knew nothing. I didn't even know the Bible, uh, the Bible in English. People were still explaining things like, what does iniquity mean? Or what does uh, conviction, I remember. It's like revelations. What does the word conviction mean? But the Lord did it. But what I've learned is whatever I'm preaching to you today, it's, gonna, it's not going to make such a big difference. Do you know that? Where you are changed is in your inner chamber. This is just a little seed or a couple of seeds today. You will only change in your inner chamber. The Lord forced me out of a place where people, the church is overfed. The modern, charismatic, Pentecostal, whatever church you want to call it, is just fat. Fat and overfed, and has got no training to fight, no training to run. Everybody just come and sit here and think, I am a good guy because I was at church on Sunday. And it is absolute nonsense. And the Lord is going to work with those people. I want to say to you, you are here, the Word says, so that you can be equipped to do the work of the ministry. Not for the ministry to do something for you. And it's a worldwide revelation. My friends who are pastors in places all over the world, everybody is saying the same thing. The place where the church is ministering and trying to save people who are saved is gone. Trying to entertain people who are saved is gone. You have to get a revelation. Your mind has got to be renewed that the Lord wants you to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. I want to say to you, I mentioned before, the Holy Spirit 
You should not tell other people that they are sinning unless they are blatant, if they are Christians and they are sinning blatantly. You need to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and to convict people. Why did I change? Why did I say, why did I consider? I'm, maybe just put it, I'm, say, 15, I'm born again 15 years today. 15 years. Why did I get born again? Why did I consider going to the church that people invited me for to, for years? Because my friends, my friends change. They were selfish. They were competitive. They were competing with me the whole time. They changed. All they wanted to do was love me. And what happened was they started praying for me. I was bottom of their list, but they started praying for me. And you know what? The Holy Spirit came. The Holy Spirit that was given when the Lord, when Jesus went away, the Holy Spirit came and He ruined my life. When I was sitting in the bar, He was talking to me. Wherever I went, where I shouldn't have been, He was talking to me. And it was because people were praying for me. People believed, because people believed that the power of prayer can bring conviction. I got born again on Genesis 1 verse 2. Have you ever heard of anybody that got born again on Genesis 1 verse 2? The Holy Spirit can do mighty things. Do not take the responsibility even on you. Jesus has given us, given us the Holy Spirit. You can go and read John 16 verse 8. He will convict the world of sin. Not you. He will convict them of righteousness and of the judgment. That's what it says. John 16 verse 8. In the beginning, the world was without form, void and without form. And the Spirit of God was hovering on the face of the earth. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Pray for the Holy Spirit to hover over people's lives. And then you start declaring salvation over their lives. That is the power. He said, you will do greater things that I have done. Jesus spoke life into the earth. What is it for you to speak life into somebody's life. He will tell us of things to come. The Holy Spirit is there to tell us of things to come. John 16 verse 13. The Holy Spirit has given us the ability to live with the fruit of love and joy and peace and gentleness and self-control. He's given us unfaithfulness and goodness. You cannot... Have you tried? I were brought up in a religious home. I, got, I started swearing when I was a little boy like that. I prayed almost every night that I, that I should stop swearing. I could never. I got born again on one day. I could never swear again. I didn't even try anymore. Before that, I was trying in the flesh. The Lord can do a thing in one day like that. He can give us a revelation that is beyond what we have ever experienced in our life. I want to say to you, It was the Holy Spirit who called you. It is the Holy Spirit that is drawing you now. A lot of you sitting here has been drawn by the same things that I've been preaching about. And it's time for you to start speaking it over your own life, to start speaking it over your friends, to speak it into being. Because the Lord called you to do greater things as He has been, greater things that He has done.
And if you sit here today and think it's audacious, then I want to say to you, you are wrong. And you have to change your mindset. Sometimes somebody has to come like Churchill and say to you, you are wrong. <laughs> Not come in a humanistic kind of way and consider that you are possibly wrong. You need to be audacious. But I want to end off today and say to you that Jesus... is also not on the cross anymore. I hate it when I see a cross with Jesus on it. I want to say to you, Jesus is also not a baby anymore. I also want to say to you that Jesus is not just sitting on the right hand of the Father. And he's not in the grave. The best scripture for me of where Jesus is, and he is in many places, because sometimes he's next to you, holding your hand, and then sometimes he's walking beside you, and sometimes he's calling you. And he is at the right hand of the Father. But for some people, we need to get a revelation of where Jesus went. That scripture that says Jesus is seated in heavenly places, that heaven is actually not heaven like a place. It is in the spiritual realm. Jesus has got dominion in the spiritual realm. And it says, Now I saw heaven open in Revelations 19 verse 11. Now I see heaven open, and behold a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one except him knew. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. If you are sitting here today, and you have been in a place where you feel all life has been sucked out of you. If you feel you've swum into an electric current that has shot you back in every area that you wanted to grow, I want to say to you, yes, there is an enemy out there. And yes, he is putting obstacles in your way. And no, it is not the Lord who has put the obstacles there. And no, it is not the Lord's will for you to be stuck where you are. I want to say to you, that you have got Jesus Christ in the heavenly realms fighting a fight for you if you are willing to fight the fight with Him. He is asking you to speak life into the situation. He is asking you to prophesy like Ezekiel 37, to prophesy over it and speak the life or the change that needs to come into that position. I want to say to you, He has given you the Holy Spirit in you, not to be feeble anymore. He's given you the Holy Spirit in you, not to be a sinner anymore. He's given you the Holy Spirit in you, not to be troubled anymore. He's given you the Holy Spirit to be full of peace, but be a warrior. For you to have complete love in you, but to say, I resist the devil. For you to be full of joy, but to say, I will be in bondage no more. And Jesus cannot do it for you. Why? 
Why? Because he came to do it. And he did it. He broke the bondage of sin over your life. He, bo- he broke the bondage of curses over your life. He broke everything that can draw you down, that can keep you in bondage. He's done it. He cannot do anything more. It, that is the biggest revelation that you have, need to have today. He is sitting in heaven on a, on a horse with a sword, with blood dripping from his legs and from his robe, with an army of angels on horses. The most magnificent, magnificent things that you've ever seen in your life. And all he says is, open your mouth and say it in the name of Jesus Christ. Not in your own power, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And I will do it. If you haven't done any Bible study recently, just go and read what all the scriptures said, whatever you ask. You know, it's so easy on the internet today. If you don't even know a scripture exactly, just say, whatever you ask, I will give. Google that. And all the scriptures will come up for you. And you go and spend the next two years, probably at the rate that you are doing your current Bible study at the moment, to go through all those scriptures. But I cannot do it for you. You know, preachers have tried to do it for many years. I cannot do it. And Jesus cannot do it. Do you know that? He's done it. He's given you his everything. God the Father gave him his, his everything. He gave, him, he gave us his son. Jesus went, us, went away. He gave us his helper. Remember the Holy Spirit was his helper also. And he gave us his helper. And said, now you're going to do more than what I've done. I want to say to you this morning, if you are here this morning and you feel you haven't got this revelation, you are here and you've actually never given your life to the Lord, I want to say to you, you're welcome. I'm going to spend some time there with John and the guys. We're going to continue worshiping after this now. You can come there and you can just say, I want to know Jesus. These things you've talked about, I've never experienced that in my entire life. I want, to, I want to know about that. It sounds a bit crazy, but it looks as if it can maybe work, it maybe work for you and a couple of other guys. I promise you. I promise you now, it works. But also here, if you are here and you have been battling, you're a Christian and maybe you are seen as a mature Christian. Maybe it will become so difficult for you in this church to stand up and say, I need prayer. I want to say to you, that is bondage. You're in the bondage of your own pride. John and the guys, we're all going to be there and we'll be happy to pray for you. Because sometimes we need a bit of a, a, bit of a kick and a shove. But after that, the Lord wants us to declare these things over our own lives.